So, everybody had a good week. Lord help me. I'm going to go ahead and just jump into this. and uh, I'm going to read the scripture, Matthew 3.11. It says this. This is a very well-known scripture that we love. I, this is John the Baptist speaking. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I am, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Isn't that beautiful? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And we actually sang a little bit this morning about that fire. It's that passion in your heart. My heart's, that's the baptism of fire. It's when your heart is, is burning. Everybody's heart's burning for something. Whether you feel like your heart's burning for something or not, your heart's burning for something. Uh, it'd be good for it to burn for, for Christ and for His kingdom. Well, I wanted to talk to you this morning about baptism, actually, about water baptism, which is an unusual conversation for me to have in this church because, you know, that seems like a very basic thing, but the reason I want to tell you, talk to you about it is because baptism, I believe, is more than we have seen it to be. I remember when I was baptized a long, 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 long time ago, and we were, it was on an Easter and we had fasted uh, and prayed and for the week before, so I was really hungry that day. But the leg was frozen that morning. So they said, well, we're going to do it tonight at an evening service. So that was really good, and they let us go ahead and eat. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> we went to a man's house later that day uh, and and had a baptism, and several people got baptized. But this was what happened when I was baptized. I remember uh, coming out of the water and having a towel wrapped around me and sitting on the banks and just before the Lord, and there was a girl there. And I'd known this girl for a long time, and she was, you know, kind of attractive, and I was kind of attracted to her. But she walked over to me, and she kissed me on my cheek. And at that moment, I thought, oh, that doesn't really feel right. And I've, that's always stuck with me. It's like something that was just hanging on my face that I didn't really want it on my face. <laughs> I can promise you on another day, in another moment, if she had kissed me on my cheek, I would have been highly blessed and highly excited for this Really attractive girl to kiss me. It wasn't Becky, by the way, although she was at the baptism. So looking back on that experience, I realized that something mystical happened to me when I was baptized. Something profound happened to me uh, when I was baptized because at that moment I was a different person. At that moment, something came out of me which was not the normal Byron Wicker. It was a different person. And so I want to read to you something that Corey Mead, who we just baptized, no, we just dedicated his beautiful baby, wrote when we were doing the baptism this summer, which I thought was amazing. He said, The practice of cleansing oneself in water goes back thousands of years as a Jewish, Jewish rite of purification. John the Baptist carries this tradition into the New Testament world by baptizing people as an act of repentance from sin. 
He knew that wasn't the whole story. Though, and he prophesied about how Jesus will change the very nature of baptism. That's pretty powerful right there. When Jesus begins his ministry, he goes to the Jordan River and finds John the Baptist, who is expecting to be baptized by Jesus. However, Jesus, however, is baptized by John. When Jesus emerges from the water, the Spirit of God descends upon him. His ministry begins. At the close of his earthly ministry, Jesus' last command to his disciples is to go to all the nations making disciples and baptizing those in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That was really good, wasn't it? Baptism is an important part of the journey for believers. And he gave three points. One, first, we get to partner with the commands that Jesus has for us by being baptized. We get to, we get to partner. And that's all right, sorry. And that's really been something that we've said to a lot of people when we, you know, why should I be baptized? Well, the Lord said to be baptized. Isn't that good enough? And that really is good enough, but that's just the beginning. And God wants to take us beyond that. Second, in the presence of our fellowship of believers, we're able to publicly affirm our belief in Jesus as Lord of our lives. It's a testimony, and a declaration that you're declaring uh, in, the, in the presence of other people, that Jesus Christ is, is your Lord, He's your Savior. And the angels hear that, by the way, and the demons hear that, by the way. And in other cultures, when a person is baptized, if they're uh, being baptized as a believer and they were, say, Muslim, they are, their life suddenly becomes endangered if they're discovered uh, because they, they realize they have become an infidel and they will, just, they will kill them. They will track them down and kill them. In fact, I just read an article this week about a man who was baptized in a church and he said, I'll do it, but you can't tell nobody I did it. And they put it on the internet that he was baptized and he went home to Syria to get his girl that he was going to marry. And when he got there, he was kidnapped and tortured and was going to be murdered by these uh, people and he was able to escape uh, and beaten badly for a few weeks because he had got baptized. It, so there's something spiritual about baptism. That tells me. And then the third thing, oh, also, I think in uh, Luke 12, Jesus says, if you confess me before men, this is amazing, if you confess me before men, I will confess, acknowledge, and declare you before the angels of God. Isn't that powerful? I love what he was saying about those angels. In other words, what Jesus was saying, when we make a confession publicly about Christ, God, Jesus, releases angels to us. You want some angels? You know, there's a public confession you can make, and it releases angelic activity. Jesus, you know, commissions the angels into your life to go and work in your life. I think that's beautiful. But the third one is, uh, he's, uh, Corey, in Corey's word, finally, in a great act of symbolism... We get to put away our old selves and emerge from the water as new creations, as new creations. Um, and I think that's the part that we, we really are not really getting the fuller understanding about baptism is this new creation. Baptism is about your new identity. And that's what was happening to me on the banks of that pond so many years ago. At that moment... My new identity had emerged. 
and my new identity was repelled by fleshly things at that moment. I wish I stayed like that all the time, but I confess to you I don't. Neither do you. So we're just in this boat together, right? So baptism is, is, is vital uh, for, many, for those three reasons, and it's vital for our identity as people, um, is knowing your true identity. And that's why I want to talk to you about baptism, because I believe we're in a new season, a new time, a new spiritual age has begun, and God is calling forth His people to come up now, but He's not. Here's the thing I have discovered about God is God does not want to communicate with my mask or my persona or the labels that are on my life. He wants to communicate with me. And so many people have a hard time connecting with God because they're not being the real person. They're coming to God not as the real person. They live not as the real person. Therefore, it's hard for God to reach them because they have blocked him because he has no interest in talking to a mask. He has no interest in talking to a label, to a persona. He has an interest in talking to you and speaking to you. And see, God, and so when, when, when I struggle to hear God, I wonder, Lord, am I, am I, have I got caught up in the swirl, in the swirl of the world, trying to be somebody or something that I'm not instead of being who I really am? And you see, when you get to that person, God says, I will gladly talk to you. That's what drawing near to God is all about. It's your true self drawing near to Him. It's your true self drawing near to Him. Not your phony self, not your fake self, not your self that you think God wants you to be. It's the real you because God created that real person and He loves that real person. Well, let me read this Romans thing. I love how Paul starts Romans 6, 3 through 5. Do you not know? Don't you love how he starts it? Don't you know? He's talking to believers. He's ta- and he said, don't you know? Don't you know this? That as many of us who were baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized. Don't you love how the way I read? <laughs> we're baptized into, I always pause when I'm reading stuff. And then I have to go back and it don't make as much sense. They were baptized into his death. They were baptized. They were baptized into his death. If we were baptized, we were baptized into his death. Now this is amazing. Fun. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism. That's the symbolic thing of taking a person and putting them in the water. That we are symbolically stating we're we're dying with Christ. We're we're going into the water with Christ. We're going into the grave with Christ. Right? That's what it is. That's a beautiful thing. And that's, that's why it's important. For It's important for us to identify with him in that place. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we shall what? Walk in newness of life. You see, everybody in this room, at some point in your life, you would like to have a do-over, right? You'd like to have a mulligan if you're a golfer. You know, golfers know what mulligans, you know, right, Dean? You know, like on every hole you want a mulligan, you know. <laughs> a do-over, a, a fresh start, a new start. Every one of us would. This is the only real new start we get in life. This really is the only true new real start we get with life. It's when we're baptized. That day, I had lived a hideous life, but that day God was saying, this is a new start for you. You're not that old person. 
you're not that old person no more. And he made it real clear. I didn't understand it at the moment. It was a mystery to me at that moment because I was wondering, what's wrong with me? You know, what happened to me? Something happened to me. Now listen to this. For if we were united together in the likeness, everybody say likeness, <laughs> likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be. Now I'm just going to mess with you. I'm going to read it the way it really says it. It says we shall also be of resurrection. It doesn't say like in the likeness of his resurrection. It says we will be of resurrection. That's a big difference. You see, they put those words in there to help people understand it. But in this case, they, I believe they took away the real meaning. We're not in the likeness. You know, we, we, we were in the likeness of his death. But as far as his resurrection, we are just like him. We have him, the resurrection in us, living inside of us. This is really vital and important. Your mind, don't just forget it. Your mind, your mind, your mind, this won't work in your mind. But your heart can get this. Your heart can get this. And if your heart can get this, your life can change. Because suddenly, you, the Bible, uh, John, the glorious John, the beloved, said this in 1 John four seventeen. Because he says, as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. As he is. He's talking about how, how Christ was at that very moment. That's what we are at this very moment. Christ was resurrected. Christ was alive. Christ is like, Lord have mercy. Let me tell you something. God has really been emphasizing to me in my life my humanity. Okay, about the, the weakness of humanity. And he has made it really abundantly clear to me that it's really important for us to embrace our humanity because God created us as human beings. And God came to the earth as a human being and he died for those human beings and he rose from the dead, and guess what? He didn't quit having flesh and blood, even though his flesh and blood can walk through walls. And so I believe a real important part of spiritual growth is embracing. It's like I told Becky. I feel like I live in the bailout mode. God is always bailing me out. If God doesn't speak to me, if God doesn't do what God does, I'm in trouble because I'm a human being. I can't connect with God unless God connects with me. Becky asked me this question. And I was, I was stunned and stumped when she asked the question. Because I, I knew it was, it was not a question of the mind. It was a question of the heart. How do you know God? How do you relate to God? How, and I couldn't answer the question. I don't know how I know God. I don't know. I can't figure out how to know God. I can't figure out how to know him. Oh, I could have said, well, I know God because I worship. I know God and when I read the Bible and I know God when I, but that's not the question. The question was this. I know God when God reveals himself to me. That's how I know God. I know God by how God comes to me and opens his heart to me 
and allows me to know him. Jesus said, no man can come. That's what he said. The Father has to draw him. No man can come to me unless the Father draws him. I love how the Song of Solomon says, oh, you know, I want to tell some people, quit. Just stop your, stop your religion. Stop it. And give God a chance in your life. Because you're sitting there trying to get God and you're going to wear yourself out. And, mm, and God is sitting there saying, I'll be glad when they get tired. I just really be glad when they come to the end of that stuff. So I can say to them, you know, you're going to open your door and you're going to find out I was standing there the whole time. I was standing there the whole time. And that's really the truth. Anyway, I was just telling you some of my deathly situations that I'm dependent on God and I feel more dependent on God right now than I ever have in my entire life. I feel smaller. I feel littler. I feel more helpless. I feel more naked. I feel more like, I, God, if you, don't, if you don't show up, I'm in trouble, Lord. And I feel like God's saying, be comfortable with that. Live like that. That's the way I want it. I don't want you to be any other way. I don't want you to think. I remember Arthur Bird, I'm telling you this, saying when I was a young Christian, he'd been, I think he'd only been a Christian 60 years or something then. <laughs> and he said it could be the greatest liability of my life, not the greatest asset in my life, the greatest liability of my life. All what you know, all what you think you know, all this, all that, all that can get in the way. All that can get in the way of knowing God and letting God know you. Anyways, we're in the world. Lord help. (laughs) So we get a do-over because everybody in this room has struggled and everybody in this room is struggling with their identity to some degree. You know, it's a plague because you know what? The enemy knows he can get your identity. He's got you. See, you know what? That's what the devil wants. He wants your identity. Remember when Jesus was baptized and he went out there and faced the devil? What did the devil say to him? If you're the son of God. What did God the Father just say to him earlier? You're my beloved son. Immediately the devil attacked his identity. And you see, really at the end of the day, that's what he's doing to us. He's going after our identity. He's attacking our identity, trying to get us to think something about ourselves, trying to get us to be somebody else, do something. Because when we're being somebody else or doing something that he is not really real to us, we're just no good. We are no threat to the enemy. We're no threat. And we're cutting ourselves off from the Father. I wanted to read you uh, what identity means. A definition of identity. This is pretty good. The condition of being oneself and not another. The condition of being oneself and not another. Is that the condition you find yourself in today? That you're being yourself and you're not trying to be somebody else. Who else are you? Who else are you? That's a question. How many other people have you become in your life? How many other people are you trying to be right this second? Here's another uh, definition of identity. Remain the same person under varying circumstances and conditions. In other words, you're the same person everywhere and all the time. Everywhere and all the time. Now listen, let's don't be idiots here. Okay? I'm going to have certain social behaviors. 
Okay? In other words, if you come to my house, you might find me dragging around in clothes that I've had on for days. Possibly months that haven't been washed. Because I, and, and there's stuff on the t-shirts, like, you know, I spilt something. I, did, you know, I, got, I, take, I take the t-shirt and wipe my mouth. And, you know, I got coffee stains all over it, you know. Because I, really, I don't really care, you know. And I don't think Becky cares because she just ignores it, you know. But I'm not going to come to your house and do that. That would be dishonorable. That would not be honoring. That would be dis- disgracing you to treat you like that. Not comb my hair, you know, not brush my teeth, not clean my fingernails. So I'm, going to, I'm not talking about all that. All that stuff that God wants us to do because he wants us to honor each other and treat other people with respect. But he wants us to be the same person no matter what situation we find ourselves in. The, the person, the real person. So I think that's really important that we get that. Um, there's this other word called identification. Everybody heard of identification? Identification. Identity, and you create this word called identification. This is interesting. You know what identification means? A means of labeling. A means of labeling. So, here's what happens. We discover in life, I've discovered, that there's been various labels that have been attached to me. Okay? And I have received a lot of those labels. I've allowed those labels to be given to me. And those labels, in my mind, started becoming my identity. In other words, you get this label, this persona is another word you could call it. You have this persona about you. Okay? You have this mask, okay? Because we're all desperately wanting to fit in and be accepted and be loved. Okay, so we take on these personas, we take on these labels so we'll be accepted and we can be cool or we can be respected, right? We can be, a, you know, if you're like a hipster, I'm going to be a hipster, that's my label. Or you're, oh, I'm a, I'm a spiritual person, that's a label. You know what the Lord told me one time? Forget that. Just get that off of you. You forget that mess. Don't you dare Label yourself like that. Don't you dare do it because I've not labeled you like that. I've not labeled you like that. And so we get these labels on us and we're wanting this love and acceptance and we feel like we're getting love and acceptance because if you go with the hipster crowd and you want to be a hipster, all the hipsters love you. There's another hipster. We love you. What a cool hipster you are. We accept you. But when you get home at night and lay down in your bed, you don't feel love and acceptance. Why? Because your persona, your mask, got all the love and acceptance. But you didn't. You didn't get it. Your mask got it, and you're desperate for it because God created you to be loved and accepted. And so you, are you following me? Oh, no, I'm an intercessor. I'm an intercessor. Right? I'm telling you. That's how people do it. I've got this persona as an intercessor, and so everybody's going to love me because I'm an intercessor. But nobody really loves me. Nobody really accepts me. Now, I'm not saying these labels are not important. I'm just saying they become an issue when they become your identity. You hear what I'm saying? That's where the problem comes. 
I wanted to read this other scripture in Colossians 3, verse 9 through 11. I was told, do not say, are you all right? <laughs> I've been told that so many times. <laughs> Don't say it. And this time it wasn't even my wife, so I'm obeying. <laughs> this is what Paul said here. Don't lie to each other since you have, what, put off the old man. You know one of the biggest fruits, signs that we're not living from our true identity is issues with other people. We're angry with people. We're, we're, we're having outs. We have relational breakdowns. And if you read all this context of this, that's what he, he begins and talks about. It's, he's trying to tell us something. He's trying to give us a, per, a perspective about life. Like, here's how you know if you're living in a label, it's going to create some problems in your life. Oh, you might think everybody's being accepted, you're being accepted, but it's going to create some problems because you don't have the grace of God around you, the real you, to keep you out of all these messes that can get in. And people might want your persona. Why does he have that persona? Why does Marlon have dreadlocks and I'm bald, Lord? I'm supposed to be a cool-looking guy. Why does he get in it? And so I start taking out on Marlon and be, and be mean to Marlon because I'm, I'm jealous, I'm envious. You know, and see, that's how that stuff gets stirred up in us because we're not getting what we want, what we think we rightly deserve, but it's really not the truth because it's what our persona rightly deserves. See, in my mind, I think I'm a cool guy like Marlon. I'm thinking I should have tattoos and, and hair like him, but I don't have any of that. Anyways... It says, don't lie to one another since you put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man. Actually, he says, just the new. Who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. The image that God created you. The, the person, that individual that God had in his heart when he forms you in the womb that he wanted to see come forth in this earth because this earth is desperate for, for that person to come forth. Because they got 99 Marlins. Not really. But we could have 99 Marlins, but only one real Marlin. Now, this is really amazing here. There, listen, he goes and lists some labels of his day that were really big. There's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian. How do you say that word? Scythian. Slave or free. But Christ is all in all. Hey, so these were different ones. Uh, You know, I'm not going to say nothing much. But you know, there's these Jewish wannabes. I'm telling you. I've seen it. I'm just saying. Is that really God? And even even the real Jewish people are like, what in the world is that thing? They just be what they are and quit this, this charade. I mean, is this Halloween or something? You know? Anyways, moving on. I want to tell you about this, the Scythian people. I was interested in that. Why? Because that's the only group of people that he highlighted in this verse. So I did some research on them and found out this is what they were. They were like a nomadic tribe from northern Iran. And very, they were very warlike. But they weren't big enough to go defeat countries. But they would go and just wear... There was one king, King Darius, who's in the Old Testament, in uh, Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, he had an army of 700,000 men. He went after these guys, and he couldn't beat them. In fact, he wore himself out finally when he just said, I give up. Forget them. I'm not messing with them. Because when he would go after them, 
they would run off into the woods somewhere. And when he would pull back, they would run down and get him when they were sleeping. I mean, it was just, just wearing him out. But they were vicious people. This is what they would do. A warrior would, the first person he would kill in battle, he would cut that person's head off and drink his blood. And then they would take their, their skulls back and post them on sticks to show everybody. It kind of sounds like some of the things that's happening in that part of the world now with the ISIS thing. It's interesting. But here's even more interesting that's kind of funny. They were big into tattoos. The archaeologists have, you know, preserved bodies with these tattoos, I mean, elaborate tattoos all over them. And the more powerful a person you were in that society, the more elaborate your tattoo. If you didn't have a tattoo, you were nothing. And here's the other crazy thing. They were big into marijuana. They literally found marijuana in some of them's tombs. I'm thinking, big into tattoos, big into marijuana. Y'all get that? Yeah, have you noticed our culture now, marijuana is a big thing? You know, and tattoos are a big thing. Some people get their identity from tattoos. Hey, some people get their identity from the marijuana culture, the drug culture. Are y'all getting this? I think we need to pay attention to it. So, here's the thing that Paul was saying. Don't do that because every time you take on a label, you put up a wall between you and other people. And that's why this lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual thing is so bad. has become something that's bad for a lot of reasons, but it's definitely putting up a wall. People are getting their identity now from being, you know, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. That's what that means. I had to find that out. And I'm not just picking on on those people. What I am saying is when a person gets their identity as being one of those people, that's who I am. I'm, I'm this person. I'm a gay person. I immediately build up a wall against the straight people, and then I accuse them of judging me. See, something, and see, what Paul was saying, all those walls... All those walls in Christ come down. Every one of them. There is no Jew. There is no Greek. Period. There is no great men. There's no little men. In Christ, they're all the same. And that's what he was saying. You, you've got to get your identity from him and be who he says you and don't take on an identity of a group or any of that. It's really, really good, and I wanted to read this. Those things are like security blankets, right? Those labels. Oh, I'm a Republican. Well, I'll put up a wall against you if you just happen to be a Democrat. Like, what's wrong with you? You're a Christian and you're a Democrat? That's a wall. If they want to be a Democrat, that's fine with me. Again, I'm not saying those labels are bad things. They're bad when we get our identity from them because they build up walls and they're hurtful. And, it, and one of the biggest walls is God doesn't talk to us through those walls. And we isolate ourselves. We're offended. We're hurt. We're pointing the finger. Those people, they didn't accept me. You know, all that stuff. It just creates havoc in the spiritual realm. I want to read Galatians 2.20. I wanted to say real bad, are y'all all right? But since I was told not to... This is what Paul, this is a beautiful scripture here. We quote it here all the time because it's so beautiful. Listen, it's a, but it's an identity thing. I have been crucified with Christ. It's Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I who live, 
But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the, in the flesh, I live by the faith, not in, off. It's literally off, not in. His faith in me, the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, this, this is the key. This is how you're going to be able to live your identity is you had to die to those, all those labels. You've got to give up all that stuff. You've got to let go of getting identity from your profession or your spirituality or the people you run with. Your family, you know, my family's a great... They didn't give you that identity. It may be a natural identity, but it ain't the identity that God wants you to have. See, all that stuff, you got to... That's what Paul was saying. I've been crucified. And later he said, hey, at one time I was the Pharisee of Pharisee of the tribe of Benjamin. He went and listed all these great things. And he said, that's nothing to me. That all that's just labels. None of that matters. It's just doo-doo to me. Because I just let all that go that I might know him because he knows the real Paul. And he wants to commune with the real Paul and draw the real Paul out and let the real Paul come to the surface. That's really what he said. That's what he was saying. Paul was saying in Galatians 2.20, I've got a new identity. I'm not that old man. I'm not that old guy no more. And you know what? The truth is, you and I are not. And I think that's the thing that we have really not grabbed hold to when it comes to baptism. I wish somebody would have told me all of this when I was a young believer and fixing to get baptized so I could set the course of my life about, about finding out who I really am. How do, how do you do this? Tell me, somebody tell me I, because I don't know who I am. I don't, and I spent many years of my Christian life trying to find out who I was, you know, thinking I could find it in calling, in ministry or, or my profession or my, you know, even in my marriage, but I couldn't find it anywhere. All those things disappointed me. And they all let me down over and over and over. Even when you start fulfilling your dreams, your dreams don't even give you your identity. They're not designed to. They're designed to be a fruit of your identity. And so we have Christians that are pursuing all this stuff thinking that somehow if I can attain this or be this, then everything will be okay. And I'm telling you, it doesn't work. It won't be okay. It will not be okay because at the end of the day, you could be fulfilling your calling and be miserable because the real you is not, being a, is not emerging and you don't even know where they're at or who they are. You're so confused because you thought, oh, the real me is a pastor. No, it's not. It's like Becky said to me one day, you're my husband, not my pastor. When I was trying to give her explanations about how she should be Acting and thinking. And she let me know, mm-mm, son. In this house, you the husband. You ain't, you ain't none of that mess. I wanted to read this one more scripture to you just because I love this scripture, but I want to tell you one last thing. This is when Jesus got baptized. See, all this happened in baptism. It says in Mark 1, 9 through 11, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came forth from Nazareth for Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan, as Corey told us. And immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens parting. So 
that's really one of the things that God wants to reveal to us in baptism, that we actually live under an open heaven. And that word parting there does not mean like, okay, part the Red Sea, and then when everybody gets through, it'll close back up. It means the heavens were literally ripped open. The only other place in the New Testament they use that same word is when the, it says the veil, of the, when, at Christ's crucifixion, when it says when the veil of the temple was ripped open from top to bottom. It's the same word right there. Heaven was ripped over Jesus at his baptism. And he had an open heaven. At his crucifixion, his flesh was ripped open so that you and I could enjoy an open heaven. And that's where this is revealed. God meant for baptism to reveal this to us, to show us there's a new life. Now you can connect into heaven. Right? That's, that's what it really says. That's what the Bible, that's what God wants to get through our religious, foolish thinking that we have something and that we are something. Not that we had to get something and, and try to be something. We have it in Christ. That's what he's trying to convince us of. And me's one, he's got to convince, like, hey, remember that, Byron? You know, Becky might say that. <laughs> remember what you preached Sunday? You ain't acting like it. <laughs> Anyways, and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove, resting on him. The Spirit of God resting on Jesus. That's, that's what happened. That's what happened. That's why I felt repelled about the girl kissing me because the Spirit of God was on me. And he didn't like it. And I was connected at that moment totally. And he was like, no, no, you don't want that. That will mess you up. Yeah, that's not what you want. I got something else for you. You just keep going on down this road and, you know, she'll show up. You know. <laughs> yeah, because all young men and young women have those thoughts. Those are not bad thoughts. Those are good thoughts. But God wants to be involved in those thoughts. You know, right? And so if you're a young man or a young woman and you're, Wondering where that person is, God wants to be involved in that conversation with you because He has a plan. He He can show you some some girls or boys, you know, if if you're a girl. And so, then a voice, a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. This is who you are, Jesus. You, you, that's who you are. I love you. I accept you. I adore you, Jesus. You're everything to me. The things that I would say to my grandkids. I look at my pictures. Of my, I got my pictures of my grandkids on all my devices now. Uh, on my phone, I got uh, Luke. On this, I got Hannah. On my other iPad, I got Charlie and Oliver. And I got Emma and Madeline on my MacBook. I have lots of devices. And, I all, and so every time I get one, I'll see somebody I love. And think, oh, I say, Becky, look at this. Look at these beautiful babies. Aren't they awesome? That's how God is over us. And he wants us to hear that. He wants us to know that. He desperately wants us to know that because that's life-changing. That's life-changing. When we feel that from, from heaven, when we feel the Father saying those words to our heart, and he says, I'm pleased with you. You know, here's a good statement. Baptism reveals that we best understand who we are by understanding whose we are. Now, that's the truth. That's the truth. It's best understood. If you want to know who you are, is to first begin to know whose you are. And when you begin to know that God is your Father, and you begin to gaze into His heart, 
guess what? You start discovering yourself. Because the more you know him, the more you know yourself. Because he is very interested in you knowing yourself. Very interesting. It's a powerful thing when you begin to get a revelation of God the Father as your personal father. And the byproduct is you begin to know your true self. And you begin to start understanding and figuring out with him how to live that true self and be that true self in every place you find yourself. So I wanted to read just a couple more verses and I'm going to be done. And first, because this is not all, it's, this is amazing, this is a thing. And then it, then it says, immediately, after all that, immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Immediately the Spirit that got on him began to work in his life and began to guide his life and began to direct his life to a certain place that God wanted him to go, a certain stop that he had to take. And he was there in the wilderness for 40 days. I'm not, I'm not advocating doing this because the truth is we've already been in wildernesses. I've been in so many wildernesses in my Christian life. I'm thinking how many were from God and how many were from me? I'm thinking three quarters of them at least I caused. God had nothing to do. I didn't tell you to go there. You just provoked things and went there and that's what happened to you. But there is a place where God says go that way. Even in the, new, in the promised land, David later, years later, found himself in a wilderness. And he talked about it in the Psalms. It's important. Anyways, where is this? All right. He was tended by the devil, Satan, and was with, that's crazy. He was with wild beasts, man. I mean, that's a rough time. Wild beasts. You know, when you're going through a bad time, people can be like wild beasts to you, right? I mean, the devil's beating on you. People are beating on you. You know, you're thinking, God help. Why? These crazy people are killing me. Everybody's mad at me. I can't do anything right. Well, you're probably in a wilderness. <laughs> and the devil's talking to me and just beating on me. And, and then it says something that the angels came and ministered to him. The angels. And God wants to release angels for the third time this morning. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. See, his ministry was launched. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. A part of baptism that I've come to see in a part of identity, it releases you into your calling. It releases you into your purpose. It releases you into your destiny. Jesus didn't do any of that. Not one drop of that. He had conversations but he never preached a single word, not one single word until he got his baptism of identity. And once he got that, once he knew in his heart, I'm loved by the Father, I'm a son, I belong, he went out and started doing. That's why a lot of people fail in ministry. Is they're, they've, they got ahead of themselves because they're going out there being somebody else or trying to be somebody else, trying to act some way. You know, and it's not working for them and they fail and then they get mad at everybody else and want to beat them up because they didn't support their ministry and they weren't there for them. And, I mean, the list is endless. Yeah, it's part of growing up. I don't, you know, I, hey, I know all this because I did all this. I mean, I got a litter of people that I about killed, man, that would probably love to beat the fire out of me right now for some of the fool things I did. You know, it was just done in ignorance and stupidity because I didn't know who I was and I was desperately trying to find out who I was because I felt something in me. I felt God in me. And I was, and I, but there was just no wisdom in it. That's right. 
And God wants to say, listen, let's just stop the madness and let's get wisdom from heaven. Let's get revelation about yourself and about who you are. That's why baptism is key. And if you've already been baptized, I'm not suggesting you go back and get baptized again. If you want to, that would be okay. Or if you've never been baptized, I would suggest you do it. Marlon will be glad to take you to the lake, you know, in the dead of winter and break the ice and do that. I'll go and watch. Marlon and Tony will be glad to do that. They're good at it. And Corey Mead. We'll throw him in there with you. But it's important. I think for us who've been baptized, what I felt the Lord when I was thinking about all this is the, the Galatians 2.20. It's being willing to let go of labels, false personas, masks that I have, letting that go so I can be me. That's, that's what I was feeling. And I asked the Lord, you know, to show me that only God can really show you that. Some of you already know. Some of you do. It's obvious you're, you're walking around with a mask on. You're not real. You're phony. Now, you yourself are not a phony, but that mask you got is a phony. It's not you. God loves you. God created you special. He created you unique. And he likes what he created and he don't like the mask. And he don't like the walls that's been put up. He wants to tear the walls down. And so we've learned about walls is this. God is not going to tear them down until you give him permission. And he will not tear them down. You have to give him that permission. Because it's your wall. You have control over it. But once you give him permission, allow him to. And we've learned that God tears walls down in different ways with different people. In different situations. Some, it's like one brick at a time he takes down. It takes a period of time. Some, it's like the bulldozer comes in and your life kind of feels a little wrecked at times. But God wants, you have to give him permission. Years ago, I saw myself. I saw a wall and I saw a shadow and I saw a person crouching behind that. And I said, who is that? And the Lord said, that's you, Byron. Yeah, and that's your wall. And I can't get to you because of that wall. And you've got to let me tear that wall down in your life. And I said, okay. And then once I was struggling really bad in my life because I felt like a reject. I didn't feel like people really liked me. I felt just, just fell out, fell out all the time, everywhere I went. In fact, I wanted to reject the church over it. Because I felt, felt like I didn't belong. I felt I, no one accepted me. And the Lord said this to me. It's your mask. The real you has never even stepped in the foot, uh, the foot of the door of the church. If you'll step in there, you'll be loved. And, because you are accepted in the beloved. You are, but not your persona. Not your persona. Your persona is not accepted in the beloved. But you yourself are. Y'all looking at me like you wish. <laughs> You're okay. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass anybody to say, yeah, stand up if it's you. Because I don't think that sometimes these things are between you and God. And In fact, you know what? Listen to me tell you. Keep it between you and God. Don't, don't involve some, sometimes it's bad when you get stuck between. 
like, God, I'm not going there because that's like the rock and hard place or the irresistible force meets the unmovable object. Don't get in there. <laughs> Stay out of that place. <laughs> but I do believe that God wants to free people this morning. I believe he does. I believe he wants to help you. And so I want you to do this. Just consider this. Okay? Consider the wall around your life or walls. And consider, Lord, say unto the Lord, Lord, you have permission to take the wall down. Today, we start taking the wall down. Today, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin to come out. I, I'm, you know, really the people who come out of the closet weren't the gay people. The Christians need to come out of the closet. We, the church needs to have a coming out. The real us. The real ones of us. That's the people who need to come out. And you need to say, Lord, I want to come out. That's what I tell Lord. I want, I, want, I want the real me. And I thought, oh, God, they're going to really hate me now. They're going to hate me. They're going to hate me, Lord. Because now, how could anybody love this person? Here's how they can. God loves you. God loves you. And as you receive his love, you will begin to really love your real self. And when you love your real self, you can look at other people and love your neighbor as yourself because you are being washed in his love and you begin to righteously love yourself. And when you righteously love yourself, you can truly love other people. And that's what the church is meant to be, is a people of love. So, let me pray for you. I'm just asking you to consider, Father... You are interested in every person in this room. You want, you want an intimacy with every person in this room. Lord, you are, not, you are very displeased, not with us, but you're displeased about the walls. You're displeased about shame and insecurity. All those things, Lord, that have afflicted mankind, you're not happy with them. But today, Lord, you're giving us an opportunity to really begin the journey of being who we really are. Some of us have been doing this journey for years, Lord. Some of us have, have done it and fallen back into mask. And some of us have never really even really thought about it too much. Not consciously. But today, you're, you're calling us to come forth, Lord. So for those in this room who are willing to say to you, that wall that I've been hiding behind, I'm ready to come out, Lord. I'm ready to start being truthful. I'm ready to start being honest. I'm ready to start being the real me. And I want to know you, Lord. I want, I want to be real with you, Lord, because I know you want to be real with me. And I just pray for every person in this room, Lord, as we do this. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Mm-mm. As, as was well said earlier, the blood has washed our past away today is the beginning of a new day for you. Let's just take a moment and let you pray and talk to Christ. You know, I don't know about you, I may not look a thousand pounds lighter, but I really feel a thousand pounds lighter. I feel like all the, the pressure. When Byron was talking, I started thinking, well, where do I find my identity? And then the Lord took me all the way back to being a little kid, like five years old, and started showing me this is when you first started taking on your identity. 
My identity at five years old was I grew up in Staten Island, a Gentile neighborhood, and went to a Jewish school. My identity was being a Jew. And then my identity became something as stupid as my hair. I had long, flowing hair when nobody else did, and that was my identity. And then my identity became the drug culture. I was the, the bad, you know what, druggie in our town. And then my identity became I got saved. So now I'm the really bad Jewish guy who is now saved, and that was my identity. And then my identity became I became a businessman. And then my identity became 25 years in finance, and that's who I was. I was Dean Stein. I'm the finance guy. And this last couple of weeks, I got to a place where I disdained finance. And I even told Byron, I want nothing to do with it anymore. I don't even want to be in that business anymore. And I resigned from my job at the bank. And this message he gave today, to me, I, I saw an inbox on a computer. I feel like what we need to do, in addition to everything else, is really seek the Lord and say, Lord, where do I find my identity? Because when it was all said and done, I realized my identity was in all those things from when I first took on an identity till today. That's who I was. I was a conglomerate of all those identities. And I felt like taking my cursor and pulling all those identities out and putting it in the trash and then taking it one step further and deleting what was in the trash so it can't be pulled back out. And at that point... Now God can fill my inbox with the identity he has for me. So as we pray, let's ask the Lord, reveal to me where my identity has been coming from. And, and some of those things weren't bad things. But like Byron said, they weren't me. They were my mask. Amen. Yeah, so let's go ahead and just have the ministry team come up and... Pray for anything and everything that we have need of. Not just that, but even to ask them to pray, I don't know where my identity's coming from, and ask for grace that the Lord will reveal that to you if it's not obvious to you. Amen.